Welcome to Reengage, where we rewatch TNG, a show we loved when we were younger, and now reengage episode by episode to see if it holds up to older eyes. On this episode, we tread into heavy material. This is season five, episode 12, Violations. Before we get sad with the news of the world and this episode, let's say hello to our cultural bridge officers. Miss Kate, how you do? I do good, Jimmy G, as uh, as always when I am with the three of you. Uh, and uh, Mr. Eric, how you do? I do great. It is my ma's birthday. Happy 82nd, Ma Grattan. Happy 82nd. Greg, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, if we're doing uh, milestones, it's my 20th wedding anniversary today. <gasps> 20 years. Crazy. Aww. Good on you not getting a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping that streak going as long as I, I can. Knew you, I knew you when. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> uh, all right. As said, uh, we are looking at violations. at star date 45429.3. And that was the air date week of February 3rd, 1992. Greg, anything good happening the second month of 1992? One good thing, uh, perhaps. Uh, February 1st. The outfielder, uh, Barry Bonds, had the largest single-season contract signed at the time for $4.7 million with the Pittsburgh Pirates. It was his last season with the Pirates before he joined the San Francisco Giants, um, and uh, it was a lot of money. Uh, and then he went on to have even a greater career after that. And now Ojimbo makes $7.5 million for not doing anything. It's true. It's true. <laughs> um, on February 5th, two days after this aired, jury selection began for the trial of the Los Angeles police officers who were charged in the Rodney King beating that took place last year. We reported on that, um, and I only noted that because... Uh, <coughs> fucked up. Yeah, yeah. Over the course of the next few months, that trial will go on, and then uh, all hell breaks loose. But this is this was the beginning of that trial. On February 2nd, the IRS and Willie Nelson settled on his nine million dollar tax bill uh apparently it was up to at least 16 million dollars where his accountants had created a tax haven for him and the irs decided nope that doesn't work uh and you owe 15 million dollars they settled on nine after he uh released an album called the irs tapes that was just him this this apparently the irs agreed to this we're like okay yeah you can put out this album that's called the irs tapes and we'll get all the proceeds from that and that's what he did and it wasn't enough to cover the entire, you know, 16 million that he owed, but they said, okay, we'll take the 3 million that album made and 9 million and call it even. And, uh, and he did. <laughs> um, and, wow. uh, yeah, that's pretty much everything that was going on in the world this week. So I'm not too sad. Yeah. Not as bad as usual. Uh, Kate should be easier for you to happy as up. That's right. Number one on the music charts, Don't Let the Sun down Go Down on me. on me by George Michael and Elton John. That iconic epic song. Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> the number one movie continued to be The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, but in movie news uh, adjacent, uh, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences announced the nomination of Beauty and the Beast for the Best Picture Award, first time in history that an animated feature had been nominated in that category. 
they had given uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves its own uh, Oscar, uh, famously with tiny little statuettes. Uh, but oh. this was the first time that it was nominated for uh, actual Best Picture. And that is all that I have in pop culture news. Do, 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 do. <laughs> all right. Uh, on to the directors and writers. Uh, uh, a couple of whose name I will definitely mispronounce. We have uh, director Robert Ooh. Weimer or Weimer. Not Wiener. Sure which. It's, which one's funnier? It's Wiener. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with Greg. Yes, I, I agree. I should have never doubted myself. Uh, <laughs> teleplay is by Pamela Gray and Jerry Taylor. And story by either Sherry or Shari Goodhart's uh, T. Michael Gray and also Pamela Gray. Um, and it should be noted that uh, Shari was an intern. Um, and we'll learn a little bit more about her in the Nemesis file. Wow. So, speaking of Isn't which, it time for the Nemesis Files? It is. Thank you, Eric. Um, You're welcome. This is the second story outline that was uh, purchased from Sherry Goodhertz, who was an intern uh, on the cast. That was the little bit in the Nemesis Files I referred to. What <laughs> um, <laughs> was the first uh, one? Her, <laughs> her first one was Night Terrors. Oh. Um, not too long ago. So she's creepy. Uh, yeah. So she loves... <laughs> She loves to do creepy stuff and focus on Troy. Um, Jerry Taylor wanted to examine uh, the, the um, to quote her, bizarre possibilities of psychological dramas in a sci-fi context. So um, the original outline by that Shari put forth uh, did deal with uh, rape. And um, after a few iterations, they decided they wanted to um, make this uh, a, a mental rape because that fit into the um the sci-fi context and they could do they thought some uh some cool things with it um every single character regular character all the way down to even um o'brien originally had a write-up for what would happen if jeb uh did this uh, attacked them so every single one of them had a write-up we learned in the last episode that um uh, Jordy's brush with the fire mm. was actually the write-up for um, what would happen if Jeb would have attacked him. Mm. Uh, it didn't make mm. it into the scene, but the director for that liked it so much they borrowed it, uh, including Roe had a write-up uh, where we would have learned a little bit more about what happened to her uh, before she joined uh, uh, the, the crew. Um, uh, director uh, Robert Wiener, <laughs> Weimer used a lot of camera tricks to uh, to help him establish the flashback uh, moments, and uh, a lot of what he did was really try to lean into making the um, the reality scenes a little flat and just straight on, uh, and then using wide angle lenses um, for the uh, flashback scenes, uh, including in the Gates Picard scene, he had them actually. Um, uh, on the dolly, the moving dolly, uh, so that it appeared that they were floating. Hmm. Um, and we get a vague callback to when Jack Crusher may have died. We've, we know that he died and he's been referenced a couple of times, but we don't know exactly when that happened. And there's a very vague reference to when that, the date of when it might have happened. Uh, and uh, the actor Doug Wirt was actually returned for uh, that casket scene. That's all we have 
with the Nimbusic Files. But Doug Wirt brings us to uh, our supporting cast, Eric. It does, and we had a couple of returning people in the cast this week, so I'm going to skip them, <laughs> including the fantastic Keiko that is featured heavily in the plot, which is nice. Um, <clears throat> but we're going to concentrate on three guest stars today, including the creepiest creep, uh, Jev, as played by one of the great names, Ben Lemon. Mm, ben Lemon's a great name. He's done a lot of one-offs on television, including True Blood, 90210, Heart of Dixie, House, Desperate Housewives, et cetera. He shows up in Big Love, Hot Shots Part Due, Die Hard Part Due, Soaps, <laughs> Up and Down the Line, and Liar Liar, a terrific career. His last credit is a few years ago, but geez, we're all trying to get back after COVID. Next is his semi-creepy pop. Certainly an asshole character, but uh, you know we'll, we'll discuss the creepiness factor as we get into the uh, plot of the actual thing. Anyway, David Sage. Lots of senators and priests and judges in things like The Practice and The West Wing and JAG that need senators and judges. He was in The Birdcage as a senator. Uh, Picket Fences, L.A. Law. There is a trend in his career, although it did start with the fantastic genre picture Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> Uh, where David Sage does make an appearance. Um, we go next to Mama, played by Eve Brennan, whose best credit we will save for last. She was recently recurring on Baskets, a show which I loved. She was in Days of Our Lives, or as Joey calls it, Duel. Uh, she's been in every show once. Mentalist, Unit, Silver, uh, Sarah Silverman, Cold Case, Dead Like Me, According to Jim both ER and Chicago Hope, as you would hope to have done in the 90s. Uh, Touched by an Angel, X-Files, Ally McBeal, Silk Stockings, Dr. Quinn, Hunter, Murder, She Wrote, Twilight Zone, Highway to Heaven, and she made her debut at the ripe age of 27 in The Adventures of Superman in 1953. Hell yeah, what a career. Damn. My favorite credit of hers is she played the Mouse Queen in The Great Mouse Detective. Hmm. Yes. Thank you for your service, Eve Brennan. And that's it from the Eric Lifted IMDb files. And all but Greg now have a closing uh, song. <laughs> all right, let's crack it open. Uh, we have uh, the opening with a captain's log. Telepathic historians conduct their research by retrieving long forgotten memories. Immediate rut row for me. <laughs> Uh, and then this goes right into uh, Keiko being probed. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, she recalls an old memory, uh, and the old man telepath is playfully inappropriate with her uh, and uh, some of the other ladies around. Uh, Miss Kate, what was your immediate response to uh, this old guy in, in, in how he reacted, uh, interacted with these ladies? Or Starship. Yeah, thank you. No, I have much to say on this. Uh, I had no recollection of this episode, which is maybe uh, ironic. I don't know, uh, considering it's an episode about memory. But it uh, it rubbed me the wrong way immediately, right? Like, and especially well, that's with what he was trying to do to everybody. Well, right, right. Uh, you're correct. Uh, but with uh, Crusher in particular, right? Like, 
the way she had to kind of sort of like, ha ha ha, it's hilarious, right? Like at first I was like, uh, why is she reacting like that? And I was like, because that's exactly how I would react in the moment, right? Because you're in public mm-hmm. and you don't want to be impolite to the old man who's an ambassador and all of the things, the mental gymnastics that you go through in order to be like, this is fine. Uh, but yeah, it's it, it rubbed me the wrong way um, pretty immediately. Bella's? Yeah. His line where he says, I know I'm not supposed to do that, but I can't help myself when there's a beautiful woman. And you're Ugh. like, you you just said the quiet power out loud, you asshole. Like, what the fuck are you? You, you just said it. And everyone's like, ha, 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 ha. Uh, I blame every uh, other dude in that room who didn't immediately be like, nope, get out. Don't talk to Crusher. Like, you know, like Picard should have said something at that point. I will say there is old man privilege when it comes to that, and it's not okay. But the number of older gentlemen who have said things like that to me through the years and sort of gotten away with it because it's like, oh, they're from another generation. Uh, It's not a small amount. Right. And Kate, that's a good point, because when I was watching at the moment, I, too, did not recall this episode. So I didn't know where it was going immediately. Um, And... And I thought, well, it's not just another generation. It's part of our generation, even back then, where this, I think, was acceptable behavior. Mm. People, it was like, oh, it's a cute old man. Uh, and it wasn't until the last 10 years in, you know, the Me Too movement where I was like, no, you, this is endemic of a lot of other things. It's a, it's maybe the lighter side of being grossly inappropriate, but it's still grossly inappropriate. Um, and I was like, okay, this is absolutely uh, immediately we're out of the gate doing things that we shouldn't be doing. But then later on, I was like, oh, was this a setup? Mm. Was it? And I don't think it was. I just, I don't think they, at the moment in 1992, they knew that this was wrong. Well, I mean, I, I always think about the great scene in broadcast news, which was just like six years before this, where they introduced the world to date rape which was a, mm. a, something that was only coined a few years before that. It was coined in the 80s as, as a, a, a finished concept. So, like, yeah. <laughs> like, even the idea that you could have sexual assault from someone that you knew was a relatively new concept to the broad public. And that's super fucked. And when you watch something like this, uh, it just even brings in there, like, all attention from a man with power was good. And I agree. Mm. I don't think that was supposed to make us as cringy as it did. Yeah. Right. Uh, in that first scene, um, which bodes very well for the rest of the, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, Yikes. yeah. So, uh, the, we have our closing, the closing of the opening scene, uh, is the camera <laughs> lingering on the sun looking very sus. Uh, and I'm like, Two rut row moments in one scene. Oh boy! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Not to mention the clothes. The clothes. I know. Which I was like, all right. Is (laughs) was this the 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 costumer being just too on the nose? Is like they can read your brains, and there's a lot of holes in what that does. Like I (laughs) no, like it's just it's a bit much with the with everything. (laughs) And I didn't know, and I I don't want to get into my thoughts on that lingering shot. Cause I, I have a question for Eric in just a bit in regards to that. Well, so, I, before um, I do want to say that the, yes, the reveal of the memory 
was pretty cool. I did enjoy Ke Ke Keiko going in and we, we the misdirect of it being a thing of tea. And then we realized that it is a, uh, you know, paintbrush and that it was this experience. Like I thought that was interesting. And I think the, yes. Um, uh, way that she that 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 the that actress kind of conveys like oh this this was this was a good thing i think was a necessary setup for for how these people exist at all right it's not just some yeah. parlor trick it's not something that they can do they actually can unlock memories um and i think there was even at this time some skepticism of uh therapy and talk therapy and psychotherapy being able to help people and so I think this was trying to firmly be on the side that like, no, it is something that is important and we can unlock. Um, and I love, I, I kind of do like how they uh, brought this idea forward and then turn it on its head by the end of the episode. Yeah. No, that's good. I'm glad you brought that up because we don't want to gloss over that because of some of the, what, you know, where they were in history. Uh, because it was interesting how she had her eyes wide open and it wasn't one of those, you know, bad actor, I can see it in front of me. It was, she really could see it in her mind, even though her eyes were open. Uh, and it was nice how he walked her through it, um, sort of guiding her and like, you, oh, oh, here's information. What about this? What's happening with this? And then her unlocking a memory. Cool. So that was, uh, was nice. Um, we returned from the opening credits with uh, Jordy and Data taking a lovely stroll. Uh, and ruminating on the process of human memory um, and how, you know, it's similar to Data's, but then also uh, nothing like Data's at all. Um, uh, and then we go right into um, a big meal, uh, including big fancy forks. So I'm always glad that they uh, keep those props uh, close at hand for any time <laughs> meals are going to be had. Uh, and then so Any idea why Jordy doesn't remember his birthday? Do you think it was because he got... Uh, totally lit on synthesis. He got lit? Yeah, of course. And <laughs> he probably ended up in the Arboretum when somebody shouldn't have. And I think Data did the most human thing possible there by not reminding him uh, about how bad that day was. <laughs> well, and did you think, because I was like, oh, here comes a joke. He's going to tell, well, I'll tell you exactly what you're doing at 7 o'clock. <laughs> uh, and I'm glad they didn't go down that road. Yeah. Um, so in this little dinner scene, uh, a couple of things hit me. Uh, I thought, Crusher tries to entice Picard into having his memory probe. And I thought, this is really weird acting and directing with how the line was delivered in the look. Um, and then, of course, maybe the only light moment in the whole show is Klingons do not allow themselves to be probed. <laughs> and then that guy tried to. Yeah, that was hard. Going. Yeah, Tarbin tries to be like, what are you, scared? And I thought that was the perfect. Uh, thing to say to Worf and he bristles no yeah. it's not it's not that it's fear yeah it's, uh, yeah it was it was an interesting but also manipulative moment where I'm like god this guy's really going far on yes this. no he was thirsty to probe people like <laughs> everybody's like you 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 come on I've never met a crowd that doesn't want to be probed <laughs> I think the Picard Crusher moment is interesting too because uh yeah uh, because I I I think she's trying to um like like reconnect, right? She's trying to be like remember, remember all the, those times that we might have had or something like that. Like it's a little bit of of that and his reaction is not big, but it's enough to be like are, are you are you coming on to me? <laughs> Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> Kate? 
I, I was going to say something similar, like that it reminded me a little bit of, we've talked sometimes about how the Crusher Picard relationship, uh, especially, uh, well, all the relationships, the, the semi-romantic relationships, uh, come and go in terms of when it's convenient and inconvenient. Right. And it definitely did seem that this was like, remember on the holodeck when I was dressed <laughs> up and then you were also dressed up and you remember that one time? Like it, it felt that way. It felt very like, I don't know. It, it was uncomfortable. It's like when mom and dad talk about things at the dinner table. Uh, yeah. It made me remember that the last time we saw Beverly, she was arm in arm with creepy Mick Judge Face, who's the the older the dad character, and it seemed to me, watching it, I'm like, oh, she's been gotten to somewhere off camera. Mm. Like I I was already that fucking suspicious of mm. uh, Papa Mick mess with memory. You know? <laughs> oh, uh, so at that point, I was already like three levels deep in a theory that never <laughs> right. happened. Or what if it was like a patriarchy fighting thing where it's like, oh yeah, you got pro, I got probed by this guy. Now, now you get to turn and see what it's like to, to have your, your memories, uh, intimate memories shared in public. Fair. Totally fair. All right. So, uh, the, the daddy, uh, Torman is, uh, he's overbearing. He embarrasses his son while, you know, not even humble bragging about himself. Uh, and again, like Jeff is not subtle about not being pleased <laughs> about what his dad just says. You know, he wipes his mouth, throws his napkin on the ground and storms out. And Troy senses <laughs> <laughs> something is wrong. <laughs> Uh, and follows Jeb out into the corridor. And I got to say, um, I was a little bit like, all right, Troy, everybody saw that. But then it was a really quick, nice turnaround because uh, it's a nice scene that Troy has with him where she's like, listen, I know what it's like to have an overbearing parent. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And uh, the, so they have the elevator ride, the corridor, uh, I mean, not the corridor ride, but uh, the turbo lift. And, you know, she's going to eight, but he's twice as better. Going to 16. <laughs> um, and she exits. And then again, <laughs> the director lingers on him. And he's literally yes. wringing his hands. He's like, okay. <laughs> Is it, bad music, bad guy. Yeah. Was he, would, did he have something about not having a mustache so he couldn't twirl it? I mean, it was just. <laughs> I'm glad you guys are with me on this. And I was <laughs> just being pessimistic because it was like punching me in the face with all right bad guy bad guy bad guy right yeah yes yes definitely yeah there might as um, well have been like a thought bubble next to him that was like rape rape right. rape <laughs> i know it was but and then again it's wonder i'm wondering if it wasn't written in or um a director's choice because the very next scene mm. is a long shot in troy's room we see her in the mirror and it's a about a minute of her walking up in her her pink uh, nightie up to the mirror, um, which is another one that's like, already it's a little off. It's like, well, this is a different way of seeing our characters. We've never seen them in this way, like that that mirror shot. She brushes her hair, and then immediately, like, sh she's seeing things, having uh, auditory hallucinations. She tries to shake it off. She sits down, and then th it gets progressively worse. Over several minutes, we see this trauma unfold. Um, uh, uh, and, and I thought it was interesting 
about um, them showing uh, Jeb, you know, right away. Like we see it's Riker, and then it's Jeb. It's like, oh my gosh, they're they're totally showing uh, their hand. Uh, so I want to know about that scene, but then also, Eric, my question for you about Jeb was: is is this is this a bad liar? Was this an acting choice? What do you think about the way Jeb in these two scenes sort of showed his hand? Well, it's interesting because it's throughout the episode, really. I I feel like when he is one-on-one talking to people, he has a bunch of different tactics throughout. There are some times where if the music hadn't told us, we wouldn't know he was bad. Mm. And he, he hides it very well. But then we're about to see that episode that he has in 10 Forward with Riker, Mm where uh, and we'll get to it but where Riker doesn't trust him right away and Jeb gives him all the reason to not trust right. him like he Agreed. the first thing he says is like I didn't touch her <laughs> and you're like I, that's not where you start buddy. <laughs> um, but I, I, I think by and large the actor did a pretty good job of, of being deniably creepy um, like in his one-on-one stuff with people he's got a creepy smile and the eye contact is too much but I, I feel like that's that's enough of a creep factor that, that it kind of works. I, I kind of think he did a great job in the music and, and the direction really undercut his performance in, in yeah. this episode myself. Uh, uh, Greg, I want to get your reactions on this scene. I think it was a little bit of a um, uh, poker face or Columbo kind of thing where it wasn't a mystery to the audience. Uh, and I don't think they wanted to play it as a mystery. So I think that's why they showed it the way they did was because you wanted to see the characters discover the mystery, you know, with, with the audience full, full knowing what's happening um, because it is so clear. Like he's and he's in the room with her. It's not even just a vision. You actually see him uh, in the room with her uh, at, at one yeah. point in this scene, uh, you know, doing some weird basically mustache twirling kind of motions um and so there's no there's no question it's just about how you know we as the audience are fighting for both troy and all the other characters to 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 nab him and so i think i think it was a deliberate choice that the the directors and the writers made um and then the performers had to go through with it so that we didn't have that that scene in 10 4 that you that you referenced already eric we know exactly. We're like, is he gonna get it? Is he gonna? Is Riker gonna figure it out? No, he did. He almost figured it out, but he didn't quite. And I think that's the dramatic question that they wanted us to play with. Kate, I want it to be the other story because I find it more interesting. That uh, I think that good liars who are uh, of danger to the people that we love is an intriguing storyline and someone who is a bad liar and is danger. The danger is right in front of their faces and they're sensing that that danger is right in front of their faces is not as much of a payoff, right? Like I guess, I guess our, our tension point is, is he going to get away with it? Uh, is maybe where it lies. But then, like, to have the whole red herring of the old man get accused of it where he suddenly shows up, like, it just... there. I don't know. There are other ways they could have told this story that I think would have been more um, intriguing. Well, and to be fair, I think... Um, to be fair to the director, 
the times where we see him twirling his mustache, nobody's looking at him. So it's really just for the audience. Like we catch him in a private moment. And going back to what Eric had said, when he's with other people, it's not there so much, except for that scene that we've already brought up a couple times with Riker. But there's a little bit of blame to go to uh, on both of them. Uh, so let's let's quickly get over there. We have a little scene in between uh, um, where, uh, you know, Troy is uh, passed out um, and then is taken to sick bay. Um, and, uh, you know, we have this question of, uh, and to me, when it happened, I was like, oh, my gosh, where do they go from here? Because obviously we know who's to blame. And then, of course, they answer that by, well, once this happens, you go into a coma. So, you know, yeah. he has some amount of he knows he has some amount of, uh, of ability to get out of the, the situation because there's going to be they're going to be out for a few days. Um, and then, you know, Riker takes the case. He's he's on it. He's going to find out what's happening uh, and he's going to question these guys. So he finds Zev uh, in Tin Ford. And I'll tell you, if Guinan would have been on duty, this episode would have been two minutes longer because <laughs> she would have known <laughs> right away. And that big space rifle would have come out and the mass kicking would have happened. Um, That's true of almost every one of these episodes. If, if Guinan right, was there, <laughs> it would have been a better episode and over much too quickly. So uh, we have 45 more minutes to go. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, and Riker asked some questions. And, you know, immediately I thought he was a bit gruff, almost as if he knew that uh, he, the guy was guilty. But five seasons in, Franks has a way of delivering lines. And I felt this way many times. I was like, ooh, that was a... That was a really hard delivery of that line, but I've come to be like, well, that's Riker. Sometimes he just seems a little gruff. Um, and so I just, yeah. I was like, oh, he's, he doesn't think this guy's guilty. He's just, that's just how, how he talks sometimes. But Zeb, I mean, immediately, not even acting wise, the line wise, the lines he was given is like, he's like, whoa, are you saying I'm guilty of something? What, what are you doing? And then Riker was like, um, well, I wasn't, but now I am. Now that I, now I am. And like by the end of this scene, Riker's like, okay, I, I'm digging into everything about you because something's going on. And you can bet you. And like, you know, he's like, we'll do everything. He's like, great. Or like, will you come? Yeah. He's like, yes. <laughs> Thank you. That ending is fantastic. We're halfway through the sentence. Riker just says, fine, thank you, and leaves. And I'm just like, that's badass. Get him. Get him, Will. Yeah. Uh, loved it. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, so anybody else on that that scene there? Because this is really where I was going to ask about the lying, but we, we had talked about it so much before. And and I think in that, that scene, he's not even lying now. Now he's just self-preservation. He's like, yeah. You know, fight or flight. Well, that's yeah, right. And that there's this. Go ahead. There's just one line that he says where uh, Riker says, "Did she mention feeling ill?" And she, he says, "She seemed fine. She has a wonderful sense of humor." And the way he says that, like, made my blood go cold. Mm. Like, there was just something about it that was really predatory. It was really well done by him yeah. because it's such an innocuous line. Mm -hmm. But it was just like, I don't know. I don't know. Like if it was sort of like, yeah. I, I got her to make me laugh, you know, like if it was like a predatory thing, but it's just, it stuck out to me. I think, yeah, it seemed to me that it was also referencing the fact that he knew now about her history with Riker right. since he was in that memory. So he was like, yeah, we flirted a little bit, fucker. Yeah. Uh, just with that smile. Yeah. It was wonderful. I, I agree. Greg? 
that's what I was gonna say. Like that, yeah. That it just the way I felt like he was living in that memory, uh, which made it even creepier, right? Like he was he was part of it. But I do because this does dovetail in the next scene. I do love that this scene, even though this whole episode, even though it is uh, about the trauma, I actually really like that this memory happened that we have not seen it before, right? Like that there is this tender moment between Riker and Troy after a poker game and him asking him these questions. It's a little bit the first time we see them in such an, uh, uh, a way. Um, and the, the, the repeated use of the term Imzadi, uh, I, I don't, I, it didn't have as much meaning to me back when I was watching this, but now having seen Picard and how they refer to each other that way, um, in their, their marriage, uh, I was like, Oh yeah, I, I realized they had such a stronger connection. And I think the interesting part about this memory is too, is that she says something like not while we're serving on the same ship. Like we, we can't have this relationship yes. while we're on the same ship. And I was like, that was the first time really that, that, that this tension had clarity for me, where it was a choice that she had made early on. Yes. And he was maybe a little bit butthurt by that decision. Uh, see, it happens on every other ship we we deal with. How come we can't do it? <laughs> um, right? And I, I actually, there's some indirect storytelling and world building with their relationship with this yes, memory. That's a good point. That gets thwarted, obviously, with the trauma. And it shows us beyond doubt that it happened. That scene happened after we met them. So that that scene happened certainly during the time that we have known both of them, as opposed to on some other ship where they played poker. Right. Right. Because it did look like they were on the Enterprise. Right. Yeah. It says. I mean, me, all the ships might be ubiquitous in terms of their decor, but I took it that it was the Enterprise. So, yeah. Same. Uh, all right. So, um, right after that, uh, no time is wasted. Riker goes to his his quarters, and uh, Jeb gets a businessman. He's not screwing around. He's in danger. He goes right for uh, the next person um who who caused him trouble and we get you know a different type of attack now it's um uh, a memory of wills people are in danger obviously somebody you know was left behind they couldn't help them uh and they lost somebody and again jeb shows up and he interjects himself and becomes that person and and you know just like in the first one there's a point where he sort of prods right like he he's there to be like in your face so it becomes like you had said, Kate predatory where it seems like he enjoys the part of, of inflicting it on you to being like letting, you know, it's him too, like putting his face in there. It's like, it's me doing this to you. Uh, Eric, what were you going to say? I, I just didn't want to get past the part where he was talking to her in her coma and was mm. very nice and very kind. And then went, well, you know, we're mapping the sector. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I hear that you'll hear me when I talk. Yeah. So I'm going to say some really sweet things to you. We did the personnel review. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but in this, yeah, it's, it's neat to see, again, like something that was important to uh, Troy we see. And then this is such a different kind of important to Riker, this, this memory here that, that, that Jeb chose. Right, and it, it had me thinking. It's like, can he do this from anywhere? I mean, that is a a, a very powerful individual because he's obviously not just standing outside the room. Um, he's Professor X. Like he could. 
Yeah, I mean, is he sitting yeah. in ten forward still with his hand on his, you know, forehead? I was just imagining <laughs> him standing outside of someone's room with his head pressed against the wall, <laughs> right. and just people wandering by, being like, "I don't know, it's a thing. Don't worry about <laughs> it." Wrath of Khan style, he's just against it <laughs> with his hand. Right. Yeah. And totally biting the Vulcans with the, you know, putting the hands to the heads. Like, listen, that's our thing. <laughs> what do you got? A nerve pinch too? Come on. Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> Uh, all right, so um, Riker gets attacked. We cut to the bridge. Um, uh, uh, Picard can't get a hold of Riker. And there was one another moment where I had a bit of a chuckle uh, because they can't get a hold of him. The camera goes to Picard, and then it goes to Worf, as they call for him again. And Worf's eye, he does a little eye thing. And I was like, in my head cannon, Worf's going, finally, my chance at being number one. <laughs> <laughs> which of course is silly uh and it's Worf who uh dashes off he doesn't have to be told he's just like yes captain he knows immediately what to do and he goes off to find uh the commander slumped over um and then uh we go to break and when we come back um uh, from the co the commercial crusher is trying to piece it all together with Picard and Worf um, and she's like, the Ulians aren't harboring any type of parasites or any old-timey diseases that could be to blame. Uh, but there's a big question mark. The part of the brain uh, that was affected in both Riker and Troy is a very same part of the brain. The Ulians use access memories. And Worf immediately says, let's quarantine him. <laughs> <laughs> and of course he's the most sensible person in the room correct you gotta listen to Worf even more than you gotta listen to Troy it's just a fact I don't know how quarantining is gonna help though if they can do Professor X level you know mental telepathy right. stuff right I think that's even they mentioned it it's like well how do we know that's even gonna change what's what's happening if they're using right their mind control powers uh, yeah exactly so they um, don't quarantine them but they bring them together to talk they let them know, you know, and I think Picard's very, uh, uh, he's, he's a good uh, politician here. You know, he's like, hey, there's something going on. We want, you know, we would like you guys to submit yourself to some studies so we can see, like, is there something going on? Because, you know, we got two comatose people. It seems like didn't happen to you guys who are around. And uh, that's all. We're just, you know, <laughs> we're not we, we're not saying you're guilty of anything. We're just saying, you know, uh, we, uh, we agree to letting us probe you. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, Picard says something like suspect is a strong word. <laughs> right. But <laughs> we can't rule it yeah. out. Yeah. It was like you're yeah. people of interest. That's mm -hmm. all we're gonna say. Right. <laughs> uh and then you know, once again the scene closes with Zev letting all the viewers know uh <laughs> there's at least one more attack coming. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Keiko is scanned uh, and she offers no help <laughs> she's totally fine other than she's like listen I feel great um, it, <laughs> I'm relieved it was a, it was a very wonderful experience um, so they go to Jordy um, who is has no more luck at cracking the case but he does give us sort of a future look into how frustrating it is to talk to Google or Alexa that's true <laughs> <laughs> That Let conversation went. You're nowhere. not going to tell me jack shit. All right. Right. And I know when he got frustrated with it, it was like, mm hmm, I have been there. 
Um, so no help from those people. Next thing we go back to Crusher, um, and now she's attacked with images of her deceased husband, um, uh, 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 of Jack Crusher. And Kate, my question for you is, how did you feel about Bacard with a full head of hair? <laughs> so I was more like what was that thing <laughs> that was on that half moon holographic thing oh, that was right. on his right. his face right. right because i was like it's it it was sort of where thing, his right. apparatus for the borg would have been right so it was a very intriguing yeah. so much so that i was like I got distracted from the hair, right. but uh, but I prefer my Picard bald. Mm. Thank you I very you much. Uh, I agree. I thought that maybe it was his flashback and it was a Borg thing, right? Um, and then I was like, oh no, it's just he's it's his healing thing. They you know they put that on there to you know so he won't have a scar and it'll be pretty for all the all the young ladies <laughs> or boys or ladies, I, whoever you are i just want a plus one i thought the same thing i thought this was a board memory at first and then it, it wasn't really until the end that i was like oh this is a this is in the past i did i did not clock the terrible toupee that he had at all it is both better and worse than the toupee they gave him in i claudius and i'm not sure how it's possible <laughs> <laughs> schrodinger's toupee so uh, yes. greg what about this the scene um in terms of how it was shot I like that a lot. Did the dolly scenes? Yeah, it was immediately, as you said, very off-putting and different from the way. Not even this episode; the rest of the series is shot, and so I thought that was a a good choice by the director and executed well. The music here does a lot uh, of work to make you know that it's a uncomfortable memory, Um, and it is otherworldly. Like it doesn't feel like part of part of our continuum. It's like a impressionist painting kind of and how it's 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 out here because it's her interpretation of these memories right so i thought that was done really well and i don't know if these dream sequences or these memory sequences would have worked uh without these camera tricks because it's it's so Mm. effective Uh, for me it has a real thx 1138 Mm. vibe which i think a lot of uh sci-fi kind of after that from from the early 70s through to really now if it's supposed to be like an antiseptic, uh, futuristic kind of world, they go right to that very white and very wide uh, uh, kind of look that, that permeates that movie. And I, I feel like, especially in the early 90s, when people were rediscovering it, it, it was kind of everywhere, but it's always effective. I love it. Yeah, I mean, it really did make it feel like there was trauma, and what was being experienced was... Uh, not just a memory, but uh, a, a violation, like uh, an attack. Is that where they got the title? That's where they got the title, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So um, Bacard and the boys uh, decide that they should confine the Ulians to the quarters uh, after all. And Data is tasked with researching if any of the other 11 planets that they visited uh, have um, the same coma issues. Um, and then uh, this is all interrupted, though, because Troy regains consciousness. Mm. But Troy can't remember anything. Useless. <laughs> I'm kidding. She's not useless. Uh, but then we have a meeting between Bacard and the Ulians, uh, which ends with uh, Bacard agreeing to talk to Troy about letting Zev 
probe her, her mind. And uh, I'm going to just bury the lead here. I thought the argument about we're being accused of something uh, in regard to us probing people's minds being a violation, so we should be allowed to probe somebody's mind to prove that we're innocent. <laughs> like, <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. That is stupid. There's a reason they have the old lady say it, because yes. there's no way that anyone else, like, there's right. something about her saying it that's like, well, I right. guess the right. old woman said it'll be okay. Right. She's queen of the mice. I mean, she was hired for that, you gotta listen that to seed, yeah. right? <laughs> we got to bring in a ringer. This is a bad <laughs> line, and uh, we need a pro to deliver this one. Yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, Troy agrees to the probing, <laughs> uh, and we learn why Zev wanted to lead uh, the probe. Uh, he can edit memories. He swaps right. in his father's face for his. But wait a minute, I write as I'm watching it. What if all the hand-wringing was a director trying to throw us off? Is it really Tarman? Was it him this whole time? It wasn't. <laughs> that would have been interesting, though, wouldn't it? Well, wouldn't it have been that interesting? Later. And it was something uh, <laughs> that you said earlier to you, Kate, that ties into that whole thing that really could have, I think, made this episode stronger. And this is one of those things. <laughs> like, there's a lot of things like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. No, no it's exactly what you showed <laughs> us in the very first scene. Okay. <laughs> um. Uh, so then Data and Jorda, Jordy narrow down the search parameters and learn that Tarman was on his home planet when two of the comas happened. So we are right back to Jeb. I mean, it's just one. Once he maybe said him, the next scene was like, no, you know that last scene? No, never mind. They don't even let it linger <laughs> at all. I love that this, um, the secret that they get here is uh, the fact that doctors can be wrong. And they're like, what if right. they were wrong? And they we were not as skilled as our doctor, Dr. Right. Humble Crusher, <laughs> who ruled out Erosine <laughs> syndrome. But maybe we should be searching for that too. And it, that did feel like a little bit like a like a Matlock Columbo moment when they're like, you know, ah, I got one more question for you. And like, you know, right. they figured it out that right. way. I did, I did enjoy that. And I did like that they talked about that before the break right so that you get like a little bit of a oh they're going to come back to this later and then by the the, the machinations of a final act you don't really remember that until they they figure it out they drop it uh there was a moment yes. in the previous scene where they were talking about prosecuting the dad when they get him home and picard was like well it's not against our laws and i'm like no that's why you're not prosecuting them they're prosecuting them Remember, that's what they said. We will prosecute them. You don't have to defend him. Say, throw away the fucking key. <laughs> Protect your people, Picard. Right. All right, I'm over. I'm yeah. Over. You're done. Yeah. Well, it's actually this scene, so it was a good transition. Uh, Jeb, <laughs> Jeb is <Never> in. <laughs> I'm sorry I interrupted you. Uh, Jeb Thanks. is lamenting to Picard about his father's transgressions. Um, and that's when we get this, The you know, the Picard saying, I don't really know if it's against our laws <laughs> like it, it certainly should be uh at least the spirit of the law of anything um yeah picard's got some real bonehead lines in this including the yes. last one but we'll get to that yes and we'll get to that oh uh, my god yeah. yeah absolutely 
Uh, so, you know, we find out there's going to be some pretty severe uh, penalties for his father. We don't know exactly what, just that he says, I hear the, the penalties for this type of thing are, are, are very severe and extreme. This type of thing that I've only just learned right. has ever happened right. before. <laughs> it's, uh, it's 300 years ago was the last case of it in our society. Okay. Uh, he, uh, Jeff immediately goes to see Troy. Um, and he can't resist attacking her uh, again. Um, but Troy takes care of business, man. The, the guys show up to help, but they're an afterthought. She had already kicked this guy's ass. Um, so, and, you know, and, and more bitch slaps, bitch slaps him oh, down to the so ground. Uh, but Troy did the hard work. Um, and, and so this right here, Kate, was, I think, similar to what you're saying about missed opportunities with what was happening. And for me, this was a big moment. It was like, oh, he can't res he can't stop himself from doing it. And that was the whole hand wringing thing. Right. You know, it's not mustache twirling. It's it's the urge was there. He needed he wanted to do it immediately. But, you know, I can't just follow her. I need some distance and some, you know, plausible deniability. Um, it, and that was lost. There was these little things and like him substituting his dad's face in. If we would have seen that earlier, then the whole time we would have been like, who is it? Is he, we don't know what's going on, but a missed opportunity. And um, so a lot of these things uh, just didn't quite add up. But what, what did you guys think about this scene, specifically him going back and then the revelation that he just, he can't help himself? Eric? I, I mean, it's, it's the Ted Bundy thing, right? Mm -hmm. he, he starts out super duper meticulous and super careful. And then towards the end, he's a complete mess and completely at the, the mercy of this monster inside him. You know, it, you know, it, it didn't bother me. It's all very fast and very convenient for our plot, but overall it, it seems to be actually how it kind of works uh, for this kind of criminal mind. Yeah. It didn't bother me except for that I wanted it to be the revelation that I wasn't expecting or that I was wondering totally. about, right? Like in terms of like someone who is predatory in that way, that sort of, um, that sort of drive uh, can be compelling. Um, but again, it wasn't very like the moment he walks in there, you're like, Oh no, we already know. <laughs> be, be aware, be aware. It wasn't, you know, like, Oh no, it was you the whole time. And I, I keep right. thinking about what you just said, Jimmy. Yeah. If it had been the mom that walked in, like we, that would be awesome. <laughs> if, if in that first scene, it wasn't, Jev, but it was Tarman's face in all of these things. I just think it would be a stronger episode, right? Because, yeah. right? You're like, oh, it was this misdirect the entire time. The audience were manipulated, and it could have been this reveal at the end here. And I wish it was more of an active role that Troy was uh, in figuring it out, right? Rather than it is the incompetence of 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 this guy as a as a killer or as a as a predator i wish it was much more of a our our heroes and heroines mm. doing something i mean i guess you kind of get a little bit of that with data and jordy coming in but if it was if it was troy figuring it out because of her specific abilities i think i would have been uh, a, a much more you know stronger more satisfying conclusion for me uh, yeah yeah i see where you're going with that i think 
it's because I'm on the exact opposite. I I wish that they hadn't even had a clue from Jordy and Troy that it he would have just duped them all mm-hmm. had it not been for his uh, inability uh, to escape the monster, as Eric said. Mm-hmm. That it that that's the only reason he got caught. And just to make it as dark as possible, I would have loved for Tormund to have whatever procedure done to him done like immediately they like their people came and like mm. we don't fuck around with this oh we put an end to it and whatever it is it like it takes away their ability it like almost makes them like a lobotomy or something and then so we're like oh it was him he's punished for it and then the next scene is oh him we're okay. exposed is like oh the destruction is everywhere and then yeah scene <laughs> because i love it what we get for the closing of the scene is you know Bacard dispensing his wise words of the seeds of violence resides in all of us which yes I don't disagree with that but was this the best speech to put, uh, yeah. put forth uh, based on the episode we just experienced and to me the answer is a resounding no like the writers were tone deaf to the importance of the message that they had they had written Kate, Eric, Greg, I mean, correct. <laughs> no, correct. Yeah, correct. You're right. Yeah, it's it's not a good line at all. It's not really what it, this was about in any way. It's, you know, yes, it's a truth. There's shitty people in the world who do shitty things. I, 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 you could have, a, a better writer could have said something so much more uh, important, but it also falls into the traps, I think, of early season one and season two where they needed to have a button. They needed to have something to sum it all up. It probably would have been better if they just said nothing. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Cut to black. I I would say that both kind of the ending and the beginning, kind of the vibe we're talking about, how we're never in doubt as to who it is. We, we talked about Columbo. I think the, the more apt um, kind of analogy is Murder, She Wrote, mm. which was the most popular TV show on at this point which they tell you even before the episode starts. They're like, tonight on Murder, She Wrote, and they show you the murder. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, whereas in Columbo, you usually get to see the murderer go through the whole thing and, like, plan it and do, do all this interesting shit if you know who the murderer is in that episode. But in this one, yeah, you're never in doubt from the beginning, and at the end, they do the, the Jessica Fletcher little speech uh, that leads you right into the sunset, and... It just doesn't work unless you're Jessica Fletcher. Right. All right, Eric. So, so take us out. W- what's your rating on this right. episode? Um, what's your measurement? I give it four. I give it four classic Jordy and Data mess arounds. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really enjoyed the several times we got to see Jordy and Data logic their way through this and and talk about humanity kind of all the way through it's it's not the right pairing to use in this particular episode it's the tone is weird every time it happens but i'm always grateful for those two um i don't like the episode i think it it takes a big swing at an important issue and absolutely whips so four greg i am gonna give it uh five holes in every single piece of their wardrobe it's it's middle of the road. I think it fails on a on a, mon- a number of levels. I, I I think the way that you described it, Jimmy, as as different plot ways that could have made this better are e- immediately more enticing to me than the way they ended up with this. 
Um, that said, I think the performances were really strong, uh, especially Troy and Riker um, in that memory. I, I mentioned it before, I really just do like how their relationship, even though this is a, a traumatic, terrible uh, way of framing it, I enjoyed learning more about their, their intimacy uh, in this kind of indirect way. I liked um, that scene that that Eric, uh, you know, highlighted of, of of him whispering to her while she's in a coma. Um, they even call back the terrible season two finale, Shades of Grey, where she was doing the same thing to him while he had those, you know, needles poked into his brain. So I, I liked all mm. of that. Um, but I I 100% agree that it tries to tackle an issue that is um, extremely important and delicate, and I don't think they 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 nailed. Uh, nailed it very well uh, all right well i'm gonna switch things up and give my take on this and then hand it off to kate to close out uh because uh she's the lady on the podcast and i think uh, it's appropriate given the the material of this episode i'm gonna give this one six uh klingon probings <laughs> and uh i think I give it a little bit higher than Eric for the reasons that Greg has already laid out. There is a lot of great acting in it. Um, and I think it's important to note that this was a script conceived and written by women. Hmm. So I, I am thankful that at least it was a, a, a woman's touch put on this material. Um, it would have been, I think, um, uh, code of honor disastrous if guys would have written this uh, particular one. Um, but also, I think it could have been a fantastic episode if they would have taken my advice, my ideas. <laughs> <laughs> really, they would have made it better. Like, let this guy go back and forth so we really don't know who it is. Uh, you know, lobotomize the dad so that the stakes are truly mm -hmm. uh, phenomenal. Um, and you know, the bad guy got away with it, even though he got caught at the end and boom to credits. And you're like, Whoa, it's not perfect in the 23rd century and things can go <laughs> sideways. So watch out. Uh, Kate, please. What's your, take? Oh, thank you, Jimmy. Uh, I'm going to give this one, uh, Oh, this is hard. Uh, I'm going to give it three and a half seeds of an, of a good idea. Mm. Uh, because, <laughs> There are many things about this episode that verge on what could be really revolutionary and really important and really like well done and ahead of its time. Um, and it just, you know, even just storytelling wise is lazy in terms of the way it, it pans itself out. Um, which is unfortunate um, in terms of uh, we just, and I don't know, I think I blame direction more than creation of, I don't know what the story was, right? Like all I know is what we're left with, which is very clear sort of uh, arrow pointing neon arrow sign pointing. This is the bad guy. Watch out. Um, but at the same time, doesn't necessarily handle some of these really um, interesting ideas in a way that's very satisfying. And so we have this really important topic that just isn't handled very well. Um, 
and the story doesn't sort of make up for that. Uh, I agree that the performances are actually quite quite well done. I think that um, both um, Beverly's uh, flashback and Deanna's flashback, that's a lot of heavy lifting from those two women to ask them to do. Um, and I thought that they handled that really well. Um, yeah, I just want more from this episode. So we'll, we'll, we'll call it that. Well said. Um, and, uh, it made me wet my pants. (laughs) (laughs) Worf slapping Jev made me wet my pants. Yeah. And Troy kick him in in the balls. Thank you so much for riding along with us on this episode of Re-Engage. Next week, we continue our mission with the next episode of the fifth season of Star Trek The Next Generation. Follow Re-Engage on Blue Sky and the site formerly known as Twitter at ReEngageTNG to get updates when episodes are published. You can follow our various cultural bridge officers. Kate Yeager is at Yeagerlicious. Eric Curry is at Eric Falls Down. Greg Tito is visible at gregtito.com and at Greg Tito on Twitter and Blue Sky. Jimmy G is at the Jimmy G on Insta. Reengage is edited by Greg Tito, Kate Yeager, or Jimmy G. Logo artwork is by mojojojo underscore 97 on Twitter or mojo97.com. Theme music is by Ryan Marth. Thanks for listening. Join us next week as we reengage. <laughs>